Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 
I don't know when I've seen it, which mm-hmm. really freaked me out. And then I was like, have I smoked too much pot in my life sure. that I cannot remember when I watched it? And I know I was really young, but I know it wasn't 1999 because I was like, I was 12. So, mm-hmm. but, so I... I think I must have watched it when it was rerunning on Fox. And I watched it like episode after episode. And I also have a distinct memory of Doritos being involved. Sure. (laughs) You might have been high then. Yes. Yes. So it was like, could have been IFC too. It could have been IFC. Yes. Which they also syndicated on there as well. And there's the box set that you might've perhaps owned. I own it now. There you go. Did did you buy it for this? I did. Cause there's nowhere to watch it anymore. I know. But now you have one of the best television shows as yeah. a box set. So yeah. Everyone wins. It's a win-win. Yeah. That's great. For sure. Um, so we're doing 113. We're doing uh, the episode Choken and Token. Mm-hmm. Uh, the synopsis is Lindsay smokes marijuana for the first time. Moments later, her father reminds her that she has promised to babysit for the neighbors that night. Afraid to babysit by herself, she pleads Millie to babysit with her. Millie not only takes care of the child they're babysitting, but also takes care of Lindsay while she anxiously deals with the effects of smoking pot. The geeks are embarrassed in front of their peers when Bill reveals their allergies and ailments to Miss Foot, played by Leslie Mann. Uh, not believing that Bill is actually deathly allergic to peanuts, Alan puts peanuts into Bill's sandwich. After Bill eats one bite of the sandwich, Alan realizes that Bill was telling the truth and Bill is rushed to the hospital. This episode also reveals why Alan bullies Sam, Bill, and Neil. Mm-hmm. Choking and Token aired on March 20th, 2000. It was written by Judd Apatow and directed by Miguel Arteta. Uh, I'm going to read up. It was gone on to be a pretty significant been, director. Yeah, pretty, uh, yeah. pretty significant. Yeah. Um, this was the last episode of the show to air on NBC. Um, yep. But nothing will kill you by putting a geek in the emergency. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to read a very brief portion of a review by Emily Vanderwerf, uh, past and future guest from the AV Club. Uh, Choking and Token is kind of, sort of, an anti-drug episode that doesn't go in for the sort of hysteria one might find when, say, Nancy Reagan dropped by to talk to the kids from different strokes. The episode simply depicts what would what it would be like to get high and then get at once really bummed and really paranoid. And it also depicts fairly honestly how irritating it can be to be a friend who's not high having to watch over another friend who is. It's not trying to suggest that drugs are evil or bad or that they will inevitably lead to the uh, forfeiture of all potential for a happy future. Instead, it's suggesting that the only people who will find uh, the only people who will find people on drugs (laughs) cool are others who are on drugs. To most others, they'll just simply seem hopelessly naive or dumb. It's not as pushy a message, but it's the sort of message I suspect most teenagers will find effective. That unique place in TV history, the anti-drug episode that accurately depicts how it is really fun to do drugs, or at least for the person doing these drugs, is overshadowed by something else about this episode. It was the last one that NBC aired before yanking the show for good and effectively canceling it with six episodes in the can. Every so often, a show like Freezing Geeks comes along, however, and invites us to realize how beautiful and epic our ordinary lives can seem in the moments that they're lived. Uh, these shows never last long, but they're treasured to be around. They're treasured while they're around. Freaks and Geeks might have left six episodes in the can once it was pulled from the air, and five episodes less for, left for this uh, for him to or her to follow. But man, am I glad those other episodes of this show exist. Um, I, I think that. So I've smoked pot once. Nice, just once, sweet bro. in your whole life. <laughs> Once and it didn't have any effect on what? me. How long ago was this? Can we talk about this? Yeah, how old? Sure. Are you? Uh, We've never talked about this experience, Phil. Well, it- <laughs> <laughs> Ernie is loving this. Yeah, uh, I smoked pot once when I was eighteen. Nice. Keep going. Uh, you mind? I- you mind reminding the uh, listeners where you grew up? I grew up in Toronto. That's right, in, in Canada. Canada. Yeah. Uh, I remember 
that it was in a bathtub. You were smoking in the bathtub or the pot was in the bathtub? No, no, no. I was – the person – and I honestly can't remember who it was now, but I remember that I was – Was there water in the bathtub? No, 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 no. They were, there was a, a window it's above – It's weird either way. There was a window <laughs> above the ba- above the, the bathtub oh, shower So you were blowing it out of and there. And this person oh. was blowing it out of there. Was God. it the parents were home kind of situation? Or? I honestly – I don't really – I remember there were a couple people there – it seemed like sort of, it was certainly not a house party. It was like just hanging out or whatever. Yeah. And this one friend of mine who I truly couldn't tell you who they were now. I honestly don't remember was determined to have me smoke pot. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay. And I remember it had no effect on me whatsoever. And I was like, I don't get it. Truly amazed you went in once and then called it a career. <laughs> I think that it was just. I know you're not much of a substance I'm not man. a substance person. So. But I mean, just one time in your whole life, like you had to try it again. Like well, you were 18. You're I was a different 18, person yeah. now. I, well, yeah. I don't know that I would enjoy it is the thing. But you won't die. So it's worth, <laughs> it's worth trying. Yeah, but I think my experience would be pretty similar to Lindsay's. Um, yeah, but that's just one... Because I would be the person who's like opening up the book and trying to find the side effects. <laughs> let's and- l- let's talk to that in a second because I'd like to get to Lauren's first yeah. time uh, smoking. Oh, you alluded. Oh I only asked because you alluded yes, to no, being uh, a- my first time smoking. I saw a water polo team sleepover. So you grew up on the West Coast. Uh, I did yes. partly. I grew up. They don't disjointed. play water polo anywhere. Yeah, else. I, I start. I started in the Midwest. Ended up on the West Coast. Um, did you grow up here? In uh- no, I grew up in two different places. I okay. like four different places. I moved around. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was in Fresno, California at the time I first smoked pot. And, uh, I had tried to put my whole mouth over the bong, mm-hmm. which was hilarious. And they all laughed at me. And that's now a memory that's, that's recorded. Yeah. Um, and that's a fantastic image. It was amazing. And then everyone laughed and. <laughs> And I smoked, and then I threw up like the whole night. Oh, no. oh man! And it sounds much worse than Phil's. Yeah, you went back. Yeah, and I was like, I still was like, this is cool as shit. Like, I'm <laughs> definitely gonna do this again. Like, I'm so glamorous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I threw up. I've never in my life thrown up again. Really? Ever from smoking pot? Never. never oh, never. okay. But I just. Mean- oh no, no. Yes, I have. Yeah. In my life, but right. no, never. Like that was like an isolated incident. How old were you? I was sixteen. Yeah. I've only thrown up three times in my whole life. In your whole life? That you remember. That you-, you you didn't throw up as a baby? Oh, okay. As a baby. As a well, baby? I, can't, I can't record those. Uh, tell me the three times. Uh, well, I just, I have a real fear of throwing up. Yeah, who doesn't? I don't know. Some people might not care. I don't like that. I haven't thrown up. I don't in- think there are people that like it, but there are people that are just like, well, I guess I got to do this. I now, haven't so. thrown up in 21 years. Are you serious? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I haven't thrown up in probably 12 years, 13 years. I haven't thrown up since freshman year of college. Ernie's just like, I'm learning so much about these guys today. Yeah, Yeah, I I just, I really, really don't like it. So the second that I'm even remotely nauseous, I'm like taking medication to make sure that it it doesn't happen. That's ideal to not. No, 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 I know. But it's also like sometimes it's a necessity. Like your body is like, this needs to go. It's actually nine years. I don't know why I've gotten, no, not nine years. It's actually, uh, it's actually 19 years. I don't know why I've gotten into my head that I'm 39 years old. I'm 37 (laughs) years old, but I keep thinking like I'm, I I think You're rounding up. I just feel (laughs) it's a big, it's a big rounding error. But something happened when I turned 37 where I'm like, oh, I'm 40 now. Like, or I'm I'm 40 like tomorrow. So in my head, I'm always thinking I'm 39. I'm 37. 
Yeah, All stop right. aging yourself up. You want to hear about my first time yeah, smoking obviously. pot? Yes. It's not that interesting, but it was so cool. Um, I smoked with, I was uh, 15, <laughs> a couple months after my last summer at camp in New York, like straight up on a stoop with two of my camp friends and a camp counselor, um, like, a, like a real New York cool kid. Oh, wow. And you were a cool kid. And we just, we you were so cooler cool. than me. And we just walked around uh, the block. And smoked a joint, and then we just sat in his basement and watched. I think Real World. Uh, it would have been Real World Hawaii at the time. Do you? So here's my question to both of you: Do you remember, like, what it? Do you remember feeling high? I guess. Like, do you remember what that first experience of like? So this is what it means to be high. I think for did, me, did it was both the, of these experiences. It was the next time. It was later okay. that I felt that. Yeah, I don't. I, I do kind of distinctly remember walking around and feeling foggy, but I don't remember walking around and actually feeling high. Okay. I certainly didn't freak out or anything. Okay. Um, the first time I remember getting high, getting yeah. high was, um, this is going to really undercut all my cool cred, <laughs> was <laughs> driving with my acapella group. <laughs> to Really? You thought that would hurt your to, coolness? To Six Flags Great Adventure in New Jersey. Sure. Where we went, uh, we went. They have a safari, you know, one of those really creepy safaris where they have giraffes in snow. Um, where we, well, I they don't have them in yeah. snow, but like, yeah. you know, what did they do with them in the winter? So we drove to New Jersey to this safari, and uh, we got high the whole way down. I remember getting very high, sitting in the back middle hot seat, hot boxing this nice. car, <laughs> um, and on nice. the on the highway home, uh, we got started to get followed by a cop car. Uh oh. And the lights go off and the pot, you know, the car reeks of pot and the guy, the, the driver fucking outran the cop. What? 17 years old in a different state. Um, never told that story, but it was very scary. What do you mean? Like he like sped away He and the cop just was like, I don't know, I guess our, they won. <laughs> our guy, uh, our guy flipped a U-turn and um, then went the other way. Okay. But it was really, really scary. And the. I'm still I'm still with Lauren as to why the cop didn't also pull a U-turn. Might not have been um, for us. It might have. He was just just trying to get somewhere. It might have Mm. just been something crazy, but uh, it was very scary at the in the moment. And that was the first time I I remember it. We were very cool acapella kids. I was gonna say, but that's pretty cool. You ran the cops for for acapella dudes, bros. For high acapella dudes. You know what we were called? What the (laughs) acapellas. Did you guys sing oh in the God. car while high? Uh, we probably did. Like you know, it's like when you're when you're a singer, which I really wasn't, except you know, in the acapellas, um, you just kind of you don't have that that embarrassment about singing. Yeah, you know, like you don't have that embarrassment of singing in front of other people because, like, you know, you're with th- four other. You're with people your fellas. Like to sing. You're with your fellas. <laughs> so yeah, we would sing. Uh, yeah, we'd sing on the roller coasters. So um, here's my question to both of you, though. Like, as someone who's never felt high. From marijuana mm-hmm. yet, we'll sure, see. Maybe sure. One day. I like yet. Yeah, um, it's optimistic. <laughs> did you? You said it was later for you, and it seems like it was later for you as well. Those first experiences didn't apparently get you very high. I didn't do much. I don't remember feeling okay. High. So the first time you felt high, which is when you're in the safari, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, that's right. Did you? I mean, what was, was that exhilarating? Was there something very exciting about that? Or was it just, it was, it was, it was a thrill. Yeah. But particularly like for me, at least for yeah. the, the bonding experience. Right. Like I was doing something illicit with 
friends and they were all older than me. I had just gotten into this group. Yeah. So I was doing something illicit with friends who were older than me. And, you know, the few people who actually listen to this podcast from my high school will attest like it was kind of a cool thing. So they were kind of cool guys. <laughs> Are you trying to like beef it's up? It's so your- humiliating. I was, I'm like Andy from the office. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so that, that was, it was more of the camaraderie thing. The, the actual getting high, like I don't remember getting high to get high until college when I was just getting high almost every night. Cause um, that folds into this episode to yeah. me. Cause this is about Nick. I don't know that it's a crutch for Nick. It looked great what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, I did that in high school. <laughs> Getting high to lay down on a couch, eat with something, chips and put on TV your, on. Chips it's on your stomach? It's a dream. <laughs> it's a dream today. Just wait, because you have, and then you have nothing to do. Like, you have no oh, real responsibility. Right. There's no guilt in the back of your right. mind. Like, yeah. I should be writing or doing something productive. You're just like, I'm in my teens, smoking sure. pot watching something with my friends and it's the best time ever. So that is the best time ever. It is. This is my question to you both, because it feels like this is kind of the, one of the big questions this episode raises, which is, is Lindsay being a fucking asshole narc when she starts to kind of yell at him, not yell at him, but judge him about his smoking. She doesn't get it. She might, but does she make a point? I guess. Do you feel like there's any validity to what she's saying? Because it does feel a little bit like she feels like an outsider. I think she feels a little bit of an outsider, but she also feels like he's not fulfilling some sort of potential. But she always feels that way about him. Yes. Like she always kind of wants him to be more than he is, and he's never going to be that guy. Right. But I think he does want to please her. He wants to please her, but he's never going to be the person she wants him to be. That I agree with. Yeah. As a... Younger person, mm-hmm. I would 100% have held the view that she was being an asshole narc. <laughs> um, and, you know, on some, you don't know what it's like. And on some, like, alcohol is much worse than pot and all that stuff. Totally. As an older person uh, who, you know, is now six months dry, um, pot's not great. It's like, it's not like, it's not bad. I'm not trying to be an asshole narc. Like, I, of course, like. I've changed, man. I've changed. <laughs> I'm, I'm harsh on a lot of mellows right now. Um, I'm not trying to be an asshole narc, but like, it's not great. It's not, it's, 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 I do think that it is a little, I actually think that it's more um, glamorized by Hollywood than alcohol is at this point. And, uh. I don't think that it's completely without its downsides. And you know, I mean, you and I have had a lot of conversations about vaping and kind of how like, yeah, surprisingly, weirdly, like it's like, it's our weird little, we're both against, it's our weird little like joint bet noir. And I've vaped a lot. Um, But like, I do kind of, you know, I've pulled back from that significantly and pulled back from like, whether or not I think it's a good thing. uh, Because I don't know. I don't know if any of this stuff is really like something that should be lauded. If you want, if, right. if you want to self-medicate, there are a lot of different ways to be sober and healthy and mentally healthy. And I don't mean to be judgmental. Like everyone kind of needs to find their own lane when it comes to this stuff. Sure, but um, I wouldn't suggest it for people anymore. I think that this episode, except you, yeah, except for you, you definitely need to try it. Amazing, you. I will suggest it for, and I will come out of retirement for you. But <laughs> I think that I mean, I really love the way that this that this episode explores drug use because it feels very 
it felt very real. Like none of it felt sort of, they go for a couple jokes on the Lindsay being high thing, but they're not like, they don't make her a clown really. And they're not untrue. Yeah. Like they're, they are the things that happened to her could totally happen. I remember being in situations where I was high and I had to like, Pull, as you used to say in high school, <laughs> like you have to pull. Yeah. You're like, you need to. You got to pull together. They, that- they would just say pull, like you got to pull. Okay. Like, yeah, be, be cool. My parents are around, <laughs> and that was the hardest thing ever. <laughs> it was like be normal, but you don't know what normal is in that moment. And it's- you just gotta stare straight, and you and you, you just kind of like you try to approximate a normal person. Yeah, like a normal person would do this in the moment. No, but of course that. I imagine does not seem normal. It's hard to say. It's well, and you know, (laughs) it's funny because I used to smoke. Like, so I changed high schools Mm -hmm. uh, my before my senior year of high school, and that's when I really fell into the more freak category Mm -hmm. because I had no friends, and then I got a group of friends who were totally in the. Did you smoke cigarettes? Uh, I did before then, but not religiously. Because, like, that was. The that's best, the beginning. The best way to like make new friends. <laughs> that's your gateway. That's the, that was a hundred percent. The best way to make new friends uh-huh. in a new place when you're that age at that period, like the early nineties, probably, or, you know, the mid nineties, two thousands, whatever was to take up smoking cigarettes. Mine was, it was smoking pot. Like oh, that pot was too. kind of like, it yeah. was like, Oh, you smoke, I smoke, let's go to the beach and smoke. So it was kind of like, Oh, this is so much cooler than I was. <laughs> I don't know about friends. that. I think you had to. I, for me, it was like, uh, uh-uh, I need no, to just make I'm some saying, friends. I'm saying you, you always had friends. Yeah, you, you had, had friends, friends, so it was easier. But like, um, when I would go to like, I, you know, I went to London on like a teen tourish thing. Mm-hmm. Immediately started smoking cigarettes. I would have had no friends. Interesting. Yeah, I, I did something similar. But I went to Oxford University for my for one of my English final English uh, credits. But it was drinking. Oh. That was oh, well, that was yeah. the thing. It was not the, the the pot or the smoking, although the, there were some kids that smoked. But yeah, it was it was drinking for yeah, sure. Well, everyone drank, but if you want to hang yeah. out with people during the day, gotta be smoking. Gotta be smoking. You don't want to hang out with the people drinking during the day. <laughs> I thought that this episode actually had some of the higher stakes that the show has ever had. Literal death. L- I mean, someone being rushed to the hospital is not this show. Mm-hmm. Um, almost dying. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, legitimately, yeah. they're fe- feeling a sense of, I mean, they're not going to kill Bill, but, like, you know, it's still, there's that. Um, you have Mr. Rosso finding the pot mm-hmm. and calling the, his friend Frank is amazing. Oh, my God. He did so good. <laughs> <laughs> he killed it. <laughs> yeah. It's that guy's real amazing. Yeah. yeah. The perfect burnout. He's like, hey, guys, you just uh, stumbled upon me and my friend Frank here. <laughs> just catch it up. It's fantastic. <laughs> I just it's it's and that's also the thing too where it's like a lesser show would make the guidance counselor finding the pot your A story like that would have been the thing mm-hmm. and it's not it's it's the, the C story basically yeah. it it's I don't know this is again how this show kind of turned things on its head a little bit well Rosso is just such a masterstroke he's the best just so like the, to he's make the that best. character like that oh. I just yeah. wish I had a Rosso. The closest I had was my high school English teacher and uh-huh. he, uh, who I you would go and smoke pot before I went to his class. And now he's in LA as a screenwriter. And I like later caught up with him and asked him, like, did you know I was high? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> do you hang out with him? Oh, yeah. We hang out now. Do you it's, get high together? <laughs> no, we do not. He's like a straight edge guy. Uh, okay. But um, Sorry. Is he like a, literally straight edge? Yeah. Oh, wow. It was like a really weird experience of like, oh, weird. Now my high school teacher is like living in LA and like. 
Yeah, that is weird. Being a writer. Yeah, that's not. That's and weird. he knew I was high the whole time. Wow. That's well. I mean, listen. There might but be he a, didn't narc on me. There might be a movie there. <laughs> you did narc on me. What's the, in like? The there might be a movie in like because you're a successful writer and having like a teacher. Oh, right. An English teacher move out to LA and try to glom on to your, your success. success. That's funny. I don't think I, yeah, he didn't glom. I'm not saying he did, yeah. but I think that's kind of a weird little movie. That it was definitely a weird experience of like, but you're my teacher. And then just trans getting past that of being like, whoa, we weren't even that far apart in age. Like that's so, it's so that's weird. Right. It's, it's a weird, weird realization. Weird. Yeah. Um, it's also weird working with people. I don't know if you've done this, Phil, but people knew your parents' age. Have you done that? Um, I guess, yeah, I have a Most little bit. Most of the people yeah. I've worked with are my parents' age. Yeah. You're younger than us, but not by a ton. Not by no, a ton. No, I am 39. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, I, you know I, I was in a room where I was the youngest person by, uh, by 23 years. I have not been the youngest person in any rooms. Even your first one? No. I was the you youngest sure? person in every room I was in until until this show. Um, wow. Wait. Yeah, it's, sorry, you're right. In season one of Sleepy, I was the youngest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just want to, I, I want to kind of unpack Lindsay in this episode a little bit. Um, Linda Cardellini, phenomenal, as always, mm-hmm. of just doing a whole thing, the range of emotions that she is able to register on her face without saying anything, the fear, the sort of insecurity, all that stuff within her, I don't know what you would call it, her trip. Is that what it was? Her experience? Sure. Her journey. Or just her high. Her high. Yeah. Um, so it is is pretty tremendous. Um, but it really kind of crests in the Millie stuff at the end. And I kind of wanted to sort of talk about Millie's character. This feels like a real kind of a gr- not growth. Maybe that's not the right word. I love how much respect they have for her faith. It started as a joke mm-hmm. and it's become a very real thing. Mm-hmm. And the way that they're able to sort of encapsulate all of that stuff into that scene with the dog and God and all of that. That's a real high wire act. I mean, that's that's a bunch of stuff that you've got to have real confidence, um, not just in your writing ability, but that the director and the actor, like that's a lot of stuff that has to work. And it's a testament to these two actors that are amazing um, and the dog. But um, Millie's amazing. Millie is yes. fucking great in that scene yeah. where she's just like, you're going to wake up tomorrow and you're not going to be high anymore and we're not going to have this thing. And then it's, you know, there's the one-two punch of the episode that comes after it as well. Like Millie and and Lindsay, watching them grow and grow apart is a really beautiful thing. I think you hit on something really interesting that we've never really discussed. The, the, her faith. Yeah. Because it does answer the question of why she's not more pathetic. Yeah. Because Millie's not really a pathetic character, but she is kind of a pathetic circumstances. Being dumped for another friend group, that person usually and they played her like this in the beginning is usually kind of a pathetic character and yet like millie always has dignity yes mm-hmm. you know, like always always has dignity always 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 has a, a weird self-confidence and it really is because of her faith yeah yeah there's a there's a strength in it it, it gives her a, a kind of steely spine yeah I don't know. I mean, I like. I don't want to be. Feel free to the disagree. Contrary, I don't know if it was because of her faith. I felt like it was just who she was. 
Like, but isn't that part of who she is? Yes, it is. But I don't think like she derived in that in this episode, she definitely says that she does. But I feel like she was kind of confident in herself and her being a mathlete and not worried about being cool. And that was kind of the appeal of Millie to me, because as much as Lindsay kind of rejects the norms, she in so many episodes is trying so hard to be cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, she is. She's, and Millie never does. Well, because she's more that, pathetic than Millie. Yeah. No question. I think all of the things you're talking about, which I agree with, but I think that is all sort of baked under the umbrella of a belief system. Yeah. She believes in herself. She believes that she's doing the right thing. And part of that is faith in herself or in a higher power, however you want to describe it. I think that that's all that stuff is what makes her such a phenomenally fully realized character um, that, that I'm just thrilled to see this this back half and what they're doing with their character. I'm amazed. I assume that there was not a lot of faith in that writer's room. Just an assumption. I would imagine. I've never been in a writer's room where like religion is a, where yes, I, they're undoubtedly religious people. Sure. Mm -hmm. But just like, you know, every writer's room I've been in is overwhelmingly liberal Mm -hmm. in kind of the, the conversation that's being had. It's all, it's overwhelmingly a religious, I would say. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I would even say, you know, uh, atheist voices are the ones that are actually heard mm-hmm. versus, uh, you know, people who believe in God. So there is the instinct to make fun of it. Yes. I've had that instinct my whole life. But I don't feel that anymore. I feel like that's really kind of a lame, cheesy thing to do. Um, well, it's I, I want to harken back to, I believe it's episode two for a quick second. They do make fun of it. I, I want to okay because I know how you feel about this moment, I hate that and I scene. don't know that we, we don't see it the same way. And I'm curious as to how you see it, and I'm, I don't know if you remember this moment. Uh, beers and weirs. Millie saddles up to the piano and starts yes, singing and about she, Jesus, yes. and, and then, then Nick, Nick shows up yeah. and starts singing with her. My feelings on this, and Kenny and I do not see eye to eye on this. I don't think Nick is making fun of her. I don't either. I think that Nick is excited to sing a song he knows mm-hmm. and he's probably drunk and maybe a little bit high Millie but my only point to bring this up is that it's possible both things are true it's sure I guess my the reason I bring it up is because that feels like where we started with her mm-hmm. and where we are now and I think that and I don't think we started as as poorly as you think we did but I do think that it's a different perspective and much more kind of jokey I wanna, and now it's real. I want to make a sister point to the point sure. about Nick. The To me, the brilliance of the Nick character is that I think both things are true at the same time. Totally I fair. I think – and I think that's kind of the brilliance of the Jason Siegel character that he plays a lot. Is like at once he wants it both ways. He wants to have fun singing a silly song about Jesus. He wants his friends to think that he's cool for making fun of it. Totally. I just – he's it, – and it's such a real thing to me. Mm-hmm. Um. I would agree with that a hundred percent. I just, I, I wanted to kind of, I wanted to shine a light on it because it does feel like she was a little bit of a punchline in the beginning. Uh, I'm the first one to admit that even if Millie, I think was very steadfast in her beliefs. Oh, like, absolutely. I don't think that that's, yeah. she's not a joke. Like this is not a joke, but, but I do think that there's something interesting to where we are now, or at least in episode 13, where we see her having, she's had a couple really very real moments with Lindsay. Um, moments where 
it feels like Lindsay continues to break up with her. Mm-hmm. It's like she comes back to her and breaks up with her, comes back to like, and I don't, I don't mean that in a ping pongy shitty writing way. I just mean that in like, that's how kids are. I mean, I think that when you have a connection with someone or, um, but this scene is just good shit. Mm-hmm. The, 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 petrified fear that Lindsay has that if she wakes up that dog, <laughs> that it's all going to go to shit yeah. is an amazing thing. And I feel like I've been, I've certainly been around people in that circumstance, but I don't know what it's like to be in Lindsay's shoes in that situation. I've never really freaked out like that. Have you freaked out? Uh, if I have, it's more funny. Yeah. <laughs> than, than like actually being right. existential. Yeah. yeah. I think, it's not dread. Uh, yeah. I think I, in a lot of ways, I'm kind of jealous of Millie because, because it's not, it's, I, my last writer's room was pretty religious because oh, cool. it was about John Brown, who's an incredibly religious person. Um, the in like history. abolitionist? Yeah, the abolitionist. Okay. And um, it, it's so nice to be able to have that comfort of like, well, I believe someone's looking out for me, so everything's going to be okay. Yeah, Like no I'm, it, I'm kind of like, I wish I could feel that totally. way, but I'm also like Lindsay where I'm like, it's just not logical. So it's, yeah. it's hard. It's like you're torn because it's like, I wish I could just be like higher power is just going to figure it out. I but couldn't agree with you more. It would I be don't think so they, comforting. It is. Yeah. It would be so It'd nice. It would be so nice to know that there's a safety net Yeah, and that no matter how much I fuck up or whatever, there's someone looking out for me. Um, that's an amazing thing. I can't. The logic in my in my brain doesn't make that possible for me. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna fix this for you guys. Oh, really? Yeah. I am. <laughs> right, I'm I'll fix it for you real fast. Okay. If you want. Um. If a dog was in this room. Oh my god! What's yes? Sure. And, Sleeping dog. No, no. Uh, it has to be an awake dog. If a dog was in this room okay. and we turned the light off, mm-hmm. what would the dog think happened? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'll tell you what it would. I tell, I'll, I'll tell you. What the dog, I'll tell you what the dog wouldn't think. I don't know where we're going. The dog going wouldn't think that electricity is coursing through this building. You know, from that switch to that light, mm-hmm. turning it on, turning it off. Okay. A dog does not understand electricity. All right. So we can accept that there are things that dogs don't understand yeah. about the world. Mm-hmm. You have to also accept that there are things that you will never understand about the world. Your brain is not. <laughs> Capable of oh, understanding. Lord's face is amazing. I think she's kind of feeling it. Yeah, no, I think she's doing your, just- your brain is not capable of yeah. understanding everything that is happening <laughs> in the universe. Period. That's the that that to me 
is the logical point that's not difficult to accept and can let open up the possibility of a higher power or some kind of universal, you know, uh, uh, interconnectivity or um, anything. Yeah. All I'm trying to say is don't rule it out because it doesn't make sense logically. I think that's fair. this might be like a total high thought, but if you turn <laughs> off the lights and the dogs in the room, the dog's going to go to the human because in a weird way, that's where the comfort is. And mm-hmm. that's, I don't want to say like humans are God to dogs, but we kind yeah. of are. And, and that's kind of, that's a weird thing, but we don't have a, the human dog equivalent of something to like, I guess that's God. That must be super weird yeah. to actually live in a world where there is a, you know, not to make it so hierarchical, but it is where there actually is a superior being on that world, intellectually speaking. Um, this so does feel like a high weird. conversation. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, I love it, but, but that's, it's... but that's, that's, <laughs> you know, as, as I've gone to someone who obsesses about death every sure. second of every sure. day to someone who's kind of like chilled out, that sounds the great. main thing that has helped me is this idea of one, don't get lost in the logic of like, of, of life because That's it's impossible for us to, uh, everybody thinks this way and we're all going to die anyway. Um, so no one has ever thought their way out of dying. It's true. You know? You've never been able to outthink dying, so that's not worth your time. Smart, like literally the entire field of philosophy is about this. The smartest people of all time, and they can't even agree, right? This isn't science where like the smartest people agree. It's all just not, it, it's not even that it's not worth our time. It's, it's literally impossible for us to grasp why we're here. So don't even bother. You're yeah. not going to get it. You're not going to figure it out. That's fair. All right. I agree with that. No, no, no. I, I, I mean, know you I, do. I, I know I, you do, man. I can, I, I, I know your, I know your dismissive <laughs> yeses and your permissive yeses. <laughs> sure. Um, so I, I want to kind of, I want to switch gears, uh, to the gig. Do you feel better? Do I feel better? Yeah. Uh, sure. Great. Cool. I How just kind of want a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish like a dog was here. That'd yeah, be, so I wish there was a dog that we could just, yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to switch gears to the geeks for a little bit. Um, specifically to, uh, I guess, I don't know if it's, it's certainly kind of romantic adjacent. So you've got, um, Bill and his crush on Miss Foot. Mm-hmm. That uh, name. That name. It's a weird name. Why Miss Foot? I don't know. Well, uh, I also, I'm, f- I'm guessing somebody has a fetish. Interesting. I guess Judd might have a fetish. Oh, about Leslie's feet? Were they yeah. dating then or were they married? We think I think they, they were, were married. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they were certainly together at this point. Uh, doesn't really. They don't really give her much to do in this episode. Uh, Miss Foot just Except kind of looked pretty. Miss really Foot does. doesn't have a full arc. <laughs> it's not even about? an arc. Like she doesn't even get nearly good scenes. Like she's just she's an object of affection, which is fine, and she's very pretty, and I get it. But her hair is terrible, bad. Yeah, it's not good. Um, it is not good. Um, but uh, but yeah, I do like that. Um, they I, were married at the time. There okay. you go. Uh, I like that we see Maureen again. She doesn't really get like much to do, too. but I do God. love that she came back. She got married. They got married. She was so young. She was 25. That's How old crazy. was he? Uh, like 27. Yeah. As, as a former new kid, I was like, I got Maureen. I was I like, right. Maureen. I love you, Maureen, that you are me in this situation. That she came back is great, though. That she wasn't siloed off to one episode. I appreciated that she came back. And- How think- old were you when you were a new kid? I was 17. That's rough. Mm-hmm. It was my senior year. Oof. So I was like, I get it, Maureen. 
I understand. Yeah. She was, Maureen is so cool. Maureen's great. Yeah. Um, she doesn't get a ton to do in this episode, but I was happy that she came back. Me too. Um, that's what good shows do. I agree. I also like that Vicky's, yeah. the modulation of Vicky's character, I appreciate it as well. She's always, we've talked about her a lot as being a really great sort of background character for the most part, but she's really kind of, they do interesting things with her. I just want to point this out because, I mean, it it seems like the kind of thing that uh, someone who's not in the industry would be like, well, why wouldn't you bring back all of the characters who right. play students to be students in these scenes and in this world? Well, like what always happens is you, as a writer on a show, you always want to bring those characters mm-hmm. back. Everybody in every show wants to be populated, yep. wants the world to be populated by their people like on The Wire or, you know, The Simpsons, <laughs> which isn't sure. real, where it's yeah. always the same, you know, few cops and it just makes sense. It feels right. Well, what you always hear is, well, are we really going to pay for this person? Mm-hmm. You know, you, are we really going to pay? Because yep. Maureen has a, at the very least, a, a SAG minimum she has mm-hmm. to make. Which is a lot more than a background. Which character. is a lot more than the hundred dollars a day you have to pay yeah. an extra, if yeah. that. So you, that's why that. It, that's why happened. that never happens on shows. But it also is why my favorite shows do that because someone has decided mm-hmm. it's more important to create a world that makes sense to the audience than it is to worry about the thousand dollars or I guess whatever the whatever the is. amount of money you have to pay to make it real. Figure out somewhere else to skimp. I, I agree with you. Like, I mean, it. To, I, I couldn't agree with you more that it feels, and and you know, we have an episode dropping this Wednesday, two hours and twenty minutes on ER, one of my favorite shows. But that's one of the things that ER did incredibly 100%. well, which is there's an article about how the nurses on ER are the same nurses. They might not have a line, but they're always there, so that world feels fully realized because you're like, oh right, that person again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it costs money to have someone absolutely. who is a, who is a actor established on the show with a line come on and not have a line. Yes, but it's worth it. It's yeah. worth it. Well, and that wouldn't have been as impactful as it was, that entire storyline, if Maureen wasn't there. If it wasn't Vicky and Maureen, I don't think it has the same. I agree with you 100%. Because it just wouldn't have paid off in the right way. It would have meant nothing. Yeah. It also, you know, what I kind of loved about it, too, was, you know, the last time we saw Vicky, she was kicking Neil's ass as the Viking. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. he was fucking around with her, (laughs) which, you know, is, is, again, a, a wonderful thing that she can be there as a human being, as a person who knows that their friend is in, you know, is in the hospital. That stuff's just that again, fully realized, but also believable. It feels like a real world. It feels like real people. Um, so I really loved that. That being said, I'm not sure how I feel about Sam and Neil using Bill's hospital stay as an opportunity to potentially snuggle up to these two girls. Fucking incels. Not the best look. I don't know why, but it didn't bother me. I so I've run the insult theory by a lot of women who have been guests so on the show. And all the women are like, no, no, yeah, it's, it's fine. fine. I'm like, these fucking insults. Like, don't you guys hate these? No, they're like, no, 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 no. Because I, I don't feel like they ever like hate, because incels hate women. <laughs> They've gone past like liking women and not They're getting in the attention. They're pre-incel stage. Oh yeah. god, that's terrible. I would say, I would say <laughs> that that's true. That the incels really do hate women, but they also Sam is not that, and Neil's wonderful. Sam is not that, but <laughs> Sam is in the pre-incel stage in that he has decided that Cindy is his. His that he, despite all the no's and all the signs, he somehow deserves to have her. And that Maureen. Well, it's Cindy more than anyone, but yeah, that that's the that's the Sam and Cell thing. But I've softened yeah. on that too. He's 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 just trying to figure. I it out. I also think retroactively, I 
So when it first happened, I was like, well, fuck this. I don't think they should be trying to use these girls. And then later when Bill's like, yeah, you should totally do it. I was like, yeah, fine. Like it was more that, you know. It's not so bad. It's I not agree. so bad. It's, it's, it's it was not fine. so bad. It's, it's just, it's just, you would Are you talking about them. the episode where they all are trying to get with Maureen? Well, that was when Kenny dropped the first insult. Oh, okay. That was when well, Kenny had real. for me, that one, that, one, that one episode was really hard for me because I do remember being a new kid and the first attention that you would get is from a man, from yeah, like boys. boys. And it was, it was crappy because I knew at the end of the day that they really weren't going to be my friends. And yeah. it was like sad. And I kind of wish they had played that with Maureen. Like she seemed Ugh. a little oblivious to it and it, and it. My you know, heart they, just breaks for you in that moment of like being a new kid it's tough. and like girls are catty and shitty and can be catty and shitty. And then boys might just be looking for, for more. Yeah. Than did you, did you, I, when you say that you knew they weren't going to be your friends, are you saying you knew they weren't going to be your friends because uh, you, you suspected that they wanted something else or was it because you just knew that you weren't going to have like close male friends like that? I, I don't mean to make any. Oh no, I definitely knew that they, they probably just wanted to like get with me. Sure. And it was like a situation, you know, and I felt like, oh man, like I really want to make a friend, not mm-hmm. like hang out with these dudes and see like, it definitely mm-hmm. felt like those three guys where it was like, okay, these three guys are like, and it was, maybe she was a little bit younger. And so she didn't realize that it, they played it very earnest. And I, not to say that I didn't have fun with those guys that I met and had, you know, the, perfectly innocent times we didn't shoot off bottle rockets i think we like went to the movies or something but like it it, it feel it felt a little like a missed opportunity mm-hmm. i get that for the show i think that yeah i and i think it could have paid off your incel thing a lot if she, if she had come back and said like you guys weren't my friends she should have said that. i really wish she had because i think it would have made them grow a little well the other to that point the other missed opportunity is the Lindsay stuff Lindsay, like, in which regard? Why are these three guys hanging out with Lindsay? Well, they're hanging out with Lindsay in part because Nick brought her into the group because Nick wanted to hook up with her. Yeah. Right? That's true. And like, I know it's true. Even we are now, what, 13 episodes into the show. Mm-hmm. The only one I think she has any kind of real friendship with is fucking Kim. You know, like, I don't think these guys are her friends. I think Nick still wants to be her boyfriend. I think Daniel's still like, you know, this kind of distant crush. And yeah. Ken is Ken. So yeah, no, I, 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 that's how I, I formed my friend when I moved. That's actually how I formed friendship. A guy had a crush on me or liked me or whatever. And then uh, a girlfriend of his kind of came to me and we would talk about it. And she liked a guy that I knew from my English class. And that's kind of how we became friends. Mm-hmm. And we're still friends to this day, mm-hmm. despite the fact that I would never talk to that person. The guy, yeah. <laughs> Like I would never right. like seek him out or be friends with him now. But it's like it led to a great long lasting friendship kind of like her and Kim. Yeah. I wonder if part of that, I mean, there are, as we mentioned, there are some female writers on the show, but I also wonder if it just became clear to them, the potential in the Kim Kelly character, because she sort of doesn't really come into focus for a couple episodes. And then it's like, Oh, Lindsay and her and, and their friendship starts to blossom a little bit. And, and kind of the, the push and pull of, Lindsay Millie versus Lindsay Kim and all of that sort of stuff. Like it certainly, it becomes, I I don't know about you, but I'm starting to really feel the, the female characters coming into their own in a lot and, and really kind of, so I I agree with you. It feels less as we get to the back end of the show, it feels less about women from men's point of view. Yes. And more about women as their own 
yes. people and their own with, with their own internal lives and their own relationships. I mean, I would say that about Mrs. Weir and also uh, Mrs. Schreiber too. Like and I think Bill's mom and Bill's mom, like all of all of the women that start to populate the show, unfortunately, too little, too late after it's been canceled. But like, you have to wonder whether or not had those been a factor earlier in the show, who knows? They would have gotten better. So, um, another thing that Sam and Neil do that I think is kind of fucked up is bailing on Bill and the sci-fi convention in order to hang out with the cheerleaders. <laughs> um, but. I mean, I guess I sort of get it. Uh, I love Lindsay saying hydroponic like the lettuce, (laughs) (laughs) which is great. Um, I also just love Lindsay and Nick hanging out as friends, seeing the evolution of their relationship, but then also it going sideways when she calls Nick out on being high all the time. Like, again, the show never takes the easy road. It always chooses the road that is the most difficult and the most complex and nuanced which is one of the hallmarks of why the show is so good, but it's also why the show did not succeed. Like you can see why these storylines are always just rife with not contradictions, but with like bumps in the road. Like it's just, none of it is easy. Lindsay and Nick have their best scene in this episode, which is the basketball scene. Oh yeah. It's, it's the fantastic. only time I actually feel like these two could be a couple, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, and yeah. it, maybe it's because it's something Jason Siegel slash Nick is actually good at, yeah. you know, a place where he actually feels confident. Um, but, That's interesting. Yeah. but, and it's, you know, it's not this weird music thing that they've been doing, but yeah, it was that one scene. I'm like, you know what? Maybe they could make a, I actually couple. didn't. I felt like in that scene, I was like, maybe they're finally hitting their stride as friends. Maybe they're hitting their stride as friends. Yeah. 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 I think that might be I was like, too. these two are going to hang out. They're going to be great. And then yeah. literally like the next scene they have together, she's like, stop being such a fucking burnout. Yeah. And Which I was yeah. very surprised by because- mm-hmm. In my memory of the show versus re-watching it recently, I thought Lindsay smoked pot and, like, did all the same things that the freaks did. I mean, she hangs out with people who are kind of burnouts. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it was surprising to me that she's like, what do you mean, pot? Like, what are you getting high every day? It was like, yeah. you hang out with the burnouts. Like, what? You yeah. chose to hang out with the burnouts. Yeah, it was weird to you me. You aspire to this life. Yeah, you kind of wanted to hang out with them, and you left your old life behind to do so, and now you're, like, but judging don't you wonder if she's like? It? I wonder if it's more of a um, too much. Like, the idea of... Yes, I hang out with the burnout. Sure, sure, sure. But she gets to she has a couple breaking points over the course of this series with them where she where she kind mm-hmm. of is like enough with your fucking nonsense, like pick a path, figure out what you want to do with your lives. Like she does do that periodically. Mm-hmm. She's never a full on freak. She's always got one foot in Millie's lane. Like she's For so sure. I, I think that that push and pull might be why she loses it on Nick a little bit. I also think it from like looking at it from a writer's room perspective, I think they were like, okay, we've got to have Nick do something yes. not cool. And that's why she, at first she reacts. And that's why the, the Denny's thing happened. But I think it should have been like a bigger thing. <laughs> right. Like, I think it should have been more than, more than just like, you didn't meet me at Denny's. Like if, if I wasn't, I would, I think it should have been something that she was counting on him for. And yeah. he, Drop the ball. Yeah. I don't know if that's too neat. No, I agree with that. But I think it yeah. would have it would have helped me understand more. Where she's like, "You're a burnout. Like you're not. What are you doing?" I did find myself at the beginning of this episode when it it literally opens with a very strangely paced opening scene of Nick at the cafeteria. Yeah, yeah, talking about like recycled meat. Well, he's supposed to be super hot. No, I know. Yeah, but it's it's and it's not done in. And this is kind of one of the things that I 
was kind of alluding to when we were talking about pot earlier, but like this doesn't go for easy pot laughs, which is which, great. No, I agree. Jesus. But like that opening scene is a perfect example of like, you're kind of watching this being like, what am I, what am I watching right now? Yeah. I'm watching Nick kind of sort of mumble his way through some high thoughts about recycled meat. And then Lindsay calls him out after like, I, I don't know. It's, it's just, Again, emblematic of this show that like if I was just Joe Blow and I turned on this episode of this show that everyone's raving about mm-hmm. and the first five minutes of this show or some kid rambling about fucking meat to a cafeteria, like your cafeteria, you're like, what is this? What is yeah. this show? Um, but that's also kind of what makes it brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, Alan. Well, let's talk about the peanut thing first. That's right. Yeah, that's what that was. Because I, you know, I have a, a son who is severe peanut allergy. Oh and they won't, they won't read peanuts. What's that? They won't read peanuts. They won't even read peanuts, the cartoon, <laughs> the, the comic strip because of it. They won't watch anything See, peanuts related because of his peanut allergy. I have one. It's dangerous. I have it's one dangerous. son. <laughs> yes, I think the they were. gateway drug. Once. <laughs> the gateway <laughs> nut. Uh, and I just, I, I, uh, <laughs> I, re- I I appreciated this. I appreciated this. I appreciated them showing how horrible it could be. It's an insane thing. What for Alan actually to do. happens, though? I, I'm, I, I can close up. Oh, okay, so is that what happened to him? So okay. what actually happens is your throat can close up and you could die. What what really happens? What shock. really happens is your body your your body thinks that uh, like it's basically poison. Yeah, and it's your body shutting down, okay. and you're not able to breathe. And um, trying to preserve like organs, if I'm yes, not mistaken. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, that could happen to my my son at any time, and it's a very real, very scary thing. And it was kind of crazy seeing a character go through it on TV because you never see it. No, you never see it. You know, it's kind of played for less mm-hmm. still. So even like I don't know, you guys obviously didn't see Peter Rabbit. Um, but there was a big controversy because they like played a blueberry allergy for laughs with Donald Gleason, right? Like that was like how they beat him, right? That's how Peter Rabbit and the guys beat him by like giving him blueberries. I was going to watch that too. No, <laughs> oh shit. I'm sorry. No, no. I mean like just like, now I don't, spoiler now I don't feel like, like yeah. I don't really, now I don't really want to. I'm kind of, <laughs> it's like, I just like rabbits. So. It's like, you know, he's kind of <laughs> like, like a bad rabbit. Okay. <laughs> he's got like a bad dude. I don't rabbit. like it. I'm not into this. He's angle. James Corden. He's James Corden the rabbit. Mm. Yeah, so he's got a terrible talk show. Someone described James Corbin Corden to me yesterday. So it was for it was former guest of the podcast from last episode, Manny Fira, mm-hmm. who said James Corden is like your girlfriend's best friend. Who like, always wants to be more? Like you? No, not necessarily. <laughs> but like the guy who like kind of comes with the girlfriend. Oh yeah. It's like now you got to hang out with this guy too, and like he knows. That's your girlfriend. interesting. That's an interesting take. And yeah. it kind of feels. I kind of feel that. We're like he just kind of he just tries too hard. Kind of came just... into our lives, and we're just like, all right. So I guess this is the new funny guy. Okay. Yeah, I don't know, but I don't even hate him. All of this like, being I hate said, Fallon. I don't hate Corden. You hate Fallon? Yeah, I think he's terrible. I don't hate Fallon. I don't like him. Yeah, he's a he's terrible interviewer. So unfunny. Anyway, I mean, Jay Leno was like the worst interviewer. J- Jimmy Fallon is is the new Jay Leno. I mean, he is. He's, he's better than Leno, but he's still the worst. His bits are better than Leno. Like when he'll do a game with a guest yeah. or something like that. Like that stuff's still fun to it's watch. Okay. Um, his interviews are just the most sycophantic, ridiculous things <sighs> that I can. All that being said, Alan puts the <laughs> peanut in Bill's sandwich. Yeah, he does, and it's crazy that he does it. 
Like it's crazy that he does it. Yeah. Um, Except he probably doesn't understand. This is the clearly does not understand what's going on. Um, We talked about this a little bit on fourteen, which spoiler we recorded before thirteen. But uh, what a beautiful thing that this show gives Alan a moment. Gives Alan a moment to shine. Gives Alan a moment to be a real three-dimensional character and not just a prick that shows up from time to time like Nelson on The Simpsons mm-hmm. and go like, eh, eh. like, I just, that whatever. That was good, Nelson. That was. It was all right. We don't need a soundboard. That was great. <laughs> we don't have a soundboard. Yeah. <laughs> um, a human soundboard. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I guess my question to you is, did you have Allens? Did you have bullies? And did they ever become people to you? Or were they always just bullies? Great question. Yeah, mine still. I still think of him as a bully. So like they never I, transcended that. No, he. I'll never. He's a lawyer now, which I was like, that is so. Attracts. That is so fitting. Like <laughs> you always hate this person. I don't always hate him. I think I always. He. Here's the thing. I was five, four in fourth grade, and you I were? had yes, I was like a giant kid for some <laughs> reason. It was like a freakish. Right. And then, uh, and I just moved from the Midwest when I started fourth grade. And so I was new, it's crazy tall, it's awkward, it's awkward as fuck. And then and then this kid just just picked on me and was made fun of me and like I had this sweater I love that was yellow and fuzzy and he called me Big Bird. And I'll never forget him. And oh, I what's hate his him. name? So I don't want to like say No, no, don't say his name. <laughs> yeah, his name. yeah, that's the But like he knows who he is. Um, uh, we said someone else, some other bully name. April. Yeah, and he we, wasn't a bully. He had some other shit. He fucking grabbed oh, her by her throat. Oh, no, no. He was, the, he was the kid who got made fun of. Yeah, and, and she, she went one more. Yes, what, she, she was, was the, the last. She bull, was the straw that broke the She was the straw, and then he and choked she her out. choked her out and like put her oh up against the Oh, my God. Yeah. No, I did not have that kind of... <laughs> I should have because I was so huge and he was so small. He was short. He had, uh, he had what my mom used to reassure me. Little, little Caesar syndrome. syndrome. Yeah. Like to, Napoleon she, when I would like cry, she'd be like, he's just jealous of you because he'll never be tall. God, and it's true. Jerk. He's still a short little turd. So I win. <laughs> Clearly you won. I mean, yeah. that's not even, it's not a question. Um, Do you remember your bully? I remember several bullies. Okay. And I also feel like I was a bully, which I think is also like a thing that happens, you know, where vicious cycle. Like, I feel like I was bullied and I feel like I bullied. I never and bullied. There but are, I was bullied. Oh, I, I, I know who I bullied and I'm, and I'm sure she fucking despises me and rightfully so. Um, wow. Yeah. And She's I, on another podcast somewhere else <laughs> talking, yeah, talking about, about you. No, I mean, yeah. I, I've like thought about reaching out to her like several times. And you I should. Just, I can't. It's just it's like, hey, it's awful. I'm terrible. But um, I, I like really want to know yeah, more well, about I mean, this. You <laughs> don't need to do it. Maybe another, yeah, but like, another but, but I also felt like I was bullied and I can remember specifically like a few people who did it and they never came around three-dimensional to me. It never happened where, where like I ever – what I'm trying to say is like there's no excuse. For bullying. I there's agree. no – like but you, like this yeah. Allen moment is like kind of like sweet and tender as it is. They're just like, there's no excuse. And like, cause I'm a three dimensional person, right? Like I consider myself, to, I know I'm a three dimensional person. I'm, I'm a human being. Well, yeah. We all are. Yes. Right. The bullies are, everyone is. So like, I know, but I know with 100% certainty that I am a three dimensional person, but a person that I bully probably only thinks that I am like a total piece of shit. And like, there's no amount of trying right and, yeah, humanity that could plus yeah. i feel like i've been bullied at work and like right. and yeah. and those That's, people yeah. who, and those people who've done that to me like 
I mean, look at, I mean, Kenny and I both worked at an agency. Yeah. And yeah. that's a pretty bullying yeah. environment. Sure. I've had, I, I've had people who have been my superiors in my life who are undoubtedly wonderful three-dimensional people who I think of as the lowest scum of the earth. So it's almost impossible to, because, sure, because sure. of the way they treated me. Yeah. So it's yeah. almost impossible to like buy that back. My work bully, also very short. It's like a theme huh. in my Are life. Like my ultimate, I'm like tall. five, seven. Yeah, yeah. I, my ultimate work Billy bully. He's also very short. I have a question for you that relates to the whole Alan thing. So we kind of saw it behind the curtain of Alan and where he was like in fifth grade, you didn't want to hang out with me or, or you guys rejected me. Do you feel like you had that moment for the person that you bullied? And that's where I it came from. Not. I mean, you didn't cause you weren't a bully, but I, we got bully a bully over here. Me. I didn't have any parents. Um, yeah, I didn't. I, I mean, I was just kind of One there. particular person, but there were, there were more. And I know why I bullied everyone who I bullied. But did you, was there something <laughs> that it stemmed from, like Alan? it was only, it was not like Alan. It was only to impress my friends. Okay. P- period. I, end of story. It was just, I, I, I the, 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 the uh, irony is like, I'm pretty sure that most people who I grew up with looked at me as the nice one among a group of bullies. You were in a bully group. I was pretty much in a bully group. I've been just told that. Just met you tonight, and I, I'm like, I'm, oh. I'm, no, I'm, yeah. a lovely, I'm a lovely guy. Always. But uh, a pre- well, I mean, it was I could see it was kind of true. UTA, oh, too. No. You, do, you do. My friends were at UTA. Like, they're were you in the bully group there too? Yeah, they <laughs> in the, I mean, to be fair, like, I mean, agencies are just there are a lot. I mean, I just a lot I, of broy guys. I, yeah, being and like it, it wasn't until like my junior senior year when I started like. It, I didn't, I never separated from my friends, but like I branched out beyond to like Acafella, to the Acafellas and to, <laughs> and to, and the theater kids and the, and the film uh. kids and to a bunch of other people who like I loved and, mm-hmm. and then the whole thing kind of dissipated and everyone kind of got into, we're, we're, we're friends with each other. But yes, it was always to impress my friends because I was very insecure and I wanted my friends to like me. That's it. It wasn't anything as, as profound as the Allen thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I didn't have a ton of bullies. I remember one kid in junior high who bullied me a little bit, but again, like I was, you know, he was a very tall individual, um, and you know, he was in like the remedial, like he just, Aww. and I'm not, I'm not saying that he. I think that there was just a lot of insecurities about this person, and he was looking for ways to, to always is so, so to your I, point I, about I try, little I, yeah. Caesar. Yeah. yeah, I like, try not it, to judge. It, it is always, it is always, always comes from a place of insecurity. That is a hundred percent true about bullies. Like it's, it's never because they're strong. Look at Trump. Yeah, you know? the ultimate I mean, bully. The, yeah. the ultimate bully who's who's literally just you know a yeah. sack of shit. Um, that's why the most important thing to teach your kids is self confidence, sure, and security. Yeah, so, I'm doing my best to make my kids not bullies. I am not necessarily doing a great job <laughs> i'm sure you're yeah. doing a great job it's been a really um, uh, con- confessional podcast <laughs> i uh, is it almost over it is <laughs> um i thought the end of the alan arc was great the very last scene um i did too bill's doctor who is amazing his doctor who costume was tremendous um and alan just being like i just can't fucking do it i again. wanted no. him to so bad i was like <laughs> yeah. and it would, yeah. i guess if it was a different show they would have show done, it. done it yeah, yeah. another show would have would have it's enough that he was there him. though it's he, enough that he showed up i think he wanted to but he couldn't perfect. it's perfect that he showed up because yeah. i i was like if he doesn't show at the very least just show up across the street and just with with a desire to want to do it but it's it's a great thing well no one i mean the the like kind of dirty little secret of the show is that like it's founded on 
someone leaving the nerds for the cool kids. Yep. You know, and we're just supposed to go with that because nerds are nerds and like, fuck nerds. Like, really, I think that's kind yep. of the thesis of the yep. show, right? They're freaks and they're geeks and you want to be part of the freaks versus the geeks. And if you, you know, be part of the cool kids is the best. <laughs> Nobody ever, quote unquote, drops down when it comes to the hierarchy of high school. No. That's a very hard thing to do. And Alan, because, yeah, I mean, Alan is very obviously in a higher stratus. Higher, higher status, excuse me, higher yeah. like social status than the than the nerds. He openly bullies them. Um, so I think that like the, the honesty of that moment mm-hmm. of seeing like three kids who share his interests and would probably be his best friends, but knowing that he would have to defend that on Monday, that's really really profound to me. It's really good stuff. Yeah. Um, and again, like this is this is a show that you know puts its money where its mouth is. Like doesn't pull its punches, allows itself to do the tough things so that the wins are real wins. You know, back when we were talking about the pilot, one of the reasons that NBC put this show, you know, into series, we assume anyway, was that they get a big victory at the end. He does the, you know, Sam gets to dance with Cindy and and it's like, it's a, it's a big victory. And they were like, oh, it's going to be a show about victories. It's not, but it's also not not like it's not totally about failure either it's just about real victories it's about what the little victories are that accumulate that hopefully make you feel better it's not about big victories Mm -hmm. um so one last thing i want to talk about really quickly is the scene between mrs weir and bill's mom in the hospital where they talk about Mm -hmm. their you know failures if you will or, or or what what it was like to be a parent early on um and it's a tremendous scene. Uh, well, Bill's what I'm talking about. Drinking and smoking during pregnancy is insane. And taking pills. Taking pills. But yeah. And and the the subtlety of Mrs. Weir's judgment. Mm-hmm. Like, she was trying so hard not to judge her, and mm-hmm. it all came through. And I was very impressed by that, because she didn't want to judge her. Right. But and she, she gave her a little bit even of, like, I fucked up, too. But the yeah. hollowness of that yeah. to me. Yeah. Like, and I, I appreciate it. It's what anybody would do. Sure. Any any decent person would do the same thing. Yes. But, like, she's a good mom. And yep. she's done she good is. things. Yep. And she's she's tried really hard to be the best mom she can. And the baby slips out of your hands. That's not quite the same as actively nope. taking drugs. But I don't think <laughs> yeah. that that makes Bill's mom a bad mom. I mm-hmm. think it makes her an unprepared mom. Whereas Mrs. Weird clearly was, they were ready to have a family and they yeah. did mm-hmm. it the nuclear way. And like, she's a woman who was pregnant probably by herself and it was much harder and she had a much harder time and a different socioeconomic sure. background. And totally. like, she does seem like she tries to be the best mom she can be mm-hmm. for Bill. Yeah. No, you're right. It's, you're right. it's really – their relationship is really interesting and it continues to grow. Yeah, I, I think the thing the with Bill's mom is not so much like the way we judge her. It's the way she judges herself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the first thing she said to – what's her name? To Sam's mom or whatever, to Mrs. Weir. Yeah, Mrs. Um, Weir. I can't remember her name now. Immediately it's just and – and, and like I think a lot of other shows, frankly, would be – even if that was a conception of the character, mm-hmm. would be afraid to put that into yeah. text. Um, it's a scary thing to put out there mm-hmm. in your art. The idea that this causes that and Bill's always been off. Mm-hmm. It's a very dangerous, scary thing to put out there. Um, and I respect them for doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, very hard. Very brave. So. And I don't think a bad mom, I, I think that a, a bad mom wouldn't feel guilty. Wouldn't yeah. feel bad and wouldn't wonder, did I do this? Is this my fault? I think that's kind of what makes her 
a good mom. Uh, she's a yeah. great mom. Yeah. yeah. She, and a human being. I yeah. mean, I, again, like part of all of this, and I think it's Alan, it, it, it falls into Alan and Millie and Lindsay and all these people in this episode is uh, looking inwards a little bit and understanding mm-hmm. your failures and understanding that you fucked up and did something wrong. Um, and how can you make sure you a don't do it again, or at least learn from this experience? And I think that that that's a again a, a hallmark of a tremendous television show that they're able to do stuff like that. But um, is there anything else you want to talk about in this episode by any chance? You seem to have copious. I notes. have notes. Um, I just did. You guys read what he uh, because this was the last episode. Judd that, yeah, statement. his yeah, statement. Curry. We talked about it in fourteen. Okay, okay. We'll read it. Yeah, in, yeah and then you, I, want, you want to read it again? No, because no. we really get into it. We really we, get into it. We, let's leave it as a tease. Next episode, Phil will read out Judd Apatow's statement. statement upon. But I would love to 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 get your thoughts on because you were on. You've been on a handful of shows as writer assistant, yeah. what have you, on shows that have been canceled, and how much that sucks. It does. Um, but also. It, it's different with the level that you are, obviously, right? I mean, if you're a creator of a television show, it's got to hurt a lot what, more than. What have you been on that's been canceled or not canceled? Um, on okay, on the canceled front, I was on. This goes to all the shows I've been, been canceled <laughs> at some point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, believe, believe. I was on uh, Falling Skies. Yeah. Um, I wasn't on Twelve Monkeys when it was canceled, so I guess that doesn't count. And then I, what else have I been on that was canceled? Probably more things that I just can't remember. That you've blocked out? Yeah, for, I've been on yeah. a bunch of shows, but I can't remember. But I think that, I mean, Believe was obviously a plagued television show in oh, a lot God, of ways. So. I mean, that, it's that so was, much so. That was more of a, a mercy killing than anything. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I'm i curious as to what it was like to sort of, from your perspective, you know, to be a writer's assistant on a show. I mean, you're, I imagine your frustration is more about like, you know, I'm out of a job to a certain degree, but also just... You know, what was it like to be a part of, you know, to see that? Because, like, Judd's response is crazy. Yeah. And, you know, but. I think I think the hardest one I was on wasn't a show that was canceled, but it was when the showrunner was fired. Sure. And we were all going to be fired because of it. Sure. So sure. we were all effectively canceled. Right. Yeah. Right, right, um, right. But the characters lived on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They did. They did. That's um, I think yeah. that was probably the hardest one because I was like, but I, I put my time in here, yeah. man. Like, I really. I was here and I contributed so much and I was like this close and they kept kind of like moving the goal line of like next season, next season, next season. And it was like, but, but you said like, (laughs) no, it's all over. It's a very, you know, I'm sorry that happened. I mean, it's happened to me on several shows, but that was the one that was like, oh my God, the time I've wasted in this shit show. Like, this is st- like where you step back and you're like, this is so dumb. Yeah. Like, yeah, all this, this is obviously I've a very different this. situation because obviously the show was, was, you know, somewhat beloved at the time to a certain degree, or at least was it so- at the time though? Well, actually, yeah. I mean, it had a lot of critical acclaim yeah. for the most part. Like, it just, it weekly, just, I think yeah. called it the best show of the year. Like it was, okay. yeah. For the very few who watched it, people yeah. really loved it. But it's, it, you know, for this to, to die, this sort of unceremonious death to a certain degree is a different animal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was on a show that died an unceremonious death. I vaguely, or I, I feel like I know hindsight. which one. Yeah, yeah, hindsight. Sure. It was the worst experience I've ever had. Uh, well, yeah, because wasn't there like they dangled a season two in dangled, front of Dangled, we wrote it. <laughs> we, we, I was on a show that was, that I, that I, it was similar to Freaks and Geeks in that it was set in the past. It was set in the 90s. And I loved every second of working on that show. And I loved my bosses. And I loved the room. And I loved the characters. And I loved what we were doing. Yeah. And 
they picked us up for a season two despite really low ratings. Um, but we were really like well regarded. And then new management came in and canceled the show after we had written the season. That's terrible. That's it fucking was crazy. Crazy. And it was that that was the only time I've act well, it happened on Sun Records too, but I didn't feel the same way about it. But so I guess two times in a row, like I did have that like the showrunner came in and was like, So bad news. You know, like just not gonna work out. That's just, just brutal. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah, it's you know, it, it's really tough because, and it makes me think about, um, I went to see a, a showrunner's panel many, many years ago, and it was uh, Tim Kring and Shonda and a bunch of people. And uh, and one of them said that uh, showrunning a television show in a lot of ways is running a, a corporation. You know, mm-hmm. it's a factory. It's the thing that you're making is creativity. You're making stories. I mean, that's antithetical in a lot of ways to what we do. Um, and it's really, really hard. Because you put so much of yourself into these shows, you try so hard to make these shows special. And then when you do make something special like this show, which is such a, you know, it's such a uh, rarity, I guess, is it's that much harder. You know what I mean? When you're working on a show and you're just putting in your time and you're making sausages and you're doing what you're doing, that's yeah. one thing. I'm not making excuses for Judd's statement because I do think that it's a ingloriously insane statement. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. We, you know, I, I always have to keep reminding myself of the fact that we do work in a business. That's a tough thing to do because what we're trying to be is creative and we're trying to be sort of emotional and put ourselves on the line. So ultimately Um, we're writing stories for a, I mean, a small or not small group of people, but it's the same. The thing that like is so crazy to me is like, you think you're writing a story for everybody. Like, like ideally, like you're bringing in everybody and new people and you grow, but really you're just writing it for the same, like ideally, you know, couple million people, mm-hmm. you know, to just get their stories. It's crazy. But then on top of it all, you're, you are writing for yourself a little bit too, right? Like you're trying to write something that means something to you or at least infusing you something. You try. I mean, less, I so, less so on TV. Sure. sure. Less so when it's not your show. I think like, sure. Yes. You try, but yeah. for sure, yeah. like you're only going to be successful if you like accept that. It's the showrunner's vision. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that even if it is the showrunner's vision, you just, even if it's not something personal to you, just seeing something that you thought of in your brain and said Mm -hmm. in a room and Mm -hmm. then you see it on screen, it's a special experience. It's a real thrill. Yeah. When you hear someone say a line you wrote. Or producing your own episode, being there and actually like being involved with the... The the blocking of a scene and being involved with decisions made on the... It's a thrill. It's an amazing thing that you get to do. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank Lauren. you. This yeah. was a lot of fun. We, this was we'd awesome. love to have you back for a movie, perhaps, or awesome. something else. Yeah. I'll send you the list of, of all the stuff. But um, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this was wonderful. This yeah. was great. Yeah. Next very, week, episode next week, 14. Next week, 14, with Hunter and Stacy. Yep. You remember great. them from... Um, Bowfinger, most Austin, likely. Yeah, Bowfinger. Thomas Crown Affair, Show Factor, Dick, all sorts of things. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Thank you for listening. That was Freaky Friday. <laughs>
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.